with me. Everybody okay? Pinch your neighbor. Tell them they look good. If, if uh, somebody's looking really good, maybe ask them out on a date. I don't know. Say, you know, uh, you got to be single. Listen, you can put a smile on your face. It's good. You can show your teeth. Some of you got crooked teeth. It's all right. It's, it's fine. I mean, if you saw this grill, you'd be like, what? Cleat that shut. But listen, you can smile. This is church, guys. This is church. We should be the happiest people on the planet of earth. Because why? Because of Jesus. Come on. Come on. So be happy, please. I'm not, I'm not giving a funeral here tonight. I'm going to preach the word of God. Come on. Amen. Psalms 85. Turn with me. I forgot my Bible, but oh well. Uh, I'm going to use my phone. Thank you, Jesus. for. Uh, I was just thinking, I slept at the house of prayer. It's been a busy couple of weeks. I don't even know how to get a hold of it. Um, and I'm trying. But I slept at the house of prayer. It's my second Sunday in a row. Oh, and let me just mention the bed that I slept on. Good night, Will. That thing was terrible. It's not your fault, but it's, <laughs> I actually bought, I bought it. I bought the bed. But that thing is just, it's, it's, it's torture. It's torture on your back. I woke up like five times. I'm extremely exhausted. Please give me grace. I had 15 meetings this week with you guys, some of you. Uh, I just need grace. So please just, just give me grace. If I make up words, if I, you know, it, it happens. I'm in good company. I've listened to some of you guys pray and speak, so we're good. Sometimes, sometimes you just don't have the right words to say. You're going to make them up. Amen. I'm just getting your jaw muscles working. Flex up. So Psalms 85. Anyways, I slept on this bed. It was just... It was terrible, and I'm a little bit, uh, so I'm a little bit um, just out of sorts. Psalms 85, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, make us people, students of your word. God, I ask, Lord, that you would open eyes today, Lord, that you would open ears today by the power and the anointing of your spirit. Lord, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what it is your spirit is doing and what your spirit wants to do through and in our lives. And help me, Jesus, preach this word. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Psalms 85, are you there? Okay. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. Selah, pause, reflect. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's what the psalmist is doing. Oh, you're going to get, you're going to ask yourself a couple questions once we get into this text, why the psalmist is doing that. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Verse 4, restore us again, O God, of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry? Wow, it seems as though the psalm is taking a bit of a turn. What happened to the first couple of verses? Say, la, oh Lord, you restored our fortunes. Now we're talking about God's anger. Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? Come on, just close your eyes and say, Lord, come on, Lord, will you not? Will you not? Revive us again. Let's do this. Lord, will you not revive me again? Come on. That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. 
to his saints, but let them not turn back to their folly. Come on, let's hear that. Let me hear what God will speak, but God, turn them not back to their own folly. What's important as we get into this chapter, that we kind of hone in on verses 5 through 6. Let's go on to verse 8. Surely his salvation is near to what? Those who fear him, that the glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness have met righteousness and peace. Kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good. And our land will yield its its, uh, increase. A little jokey there. Righteousness will go forth before him and make his footsteps a way. Psalms 85. The author of Psalms 85 is unknown. Most scholars believe it was David, but um, others believe there is no real clear author of this particular text. And again, by most biblical scholars, Psalms 85 is defined simply by, like this, as a prayer, a longing for revival. That's the way, unanimously, across the boards, most credible scholars define this particular passage. A longing, a prayer for revival. Interestingly enough, in this particular Psalms, the favor of God seemed far. The beginning verses almost trick us to think that Israel right now is in a state of favorability with God. That, that they're in a place of increase, but they're actually in a place where God's wrath has been poured out upon them for their disobedience. And in that moment, the psalmist is filled and understands the bleak, unfavorable conditions of not only his personal individual life before the Lord, but his country, his state, his people. And he summarizes really the kick and the thrust here in this particular verse as he comes down after discovering the trend of God in the earth and the trend of God with the people of Israel, he realizes that God will not be angry forever. That he will be favorable, that he will be merciful And in that, he will revive them again. This stuck out to me because, well, for one, who starts to pray prayers like this when you're in a tough spot? You know, when all seems bleak, when all seems, you know, dark and perilous, who has the resolve to pray like this for revival. Let me just say, you cannot pray like this unless you understand God's trend. (laughs) He's trendy. He's trending, you know. Prayer like this is only fueled by the understanding of the history of God with His people. (laughs) I don't know about you, my hair's bad. I am having a fight with my wife. The last thing, whatever it is, situations rock me easily. The last thing I have in my heart, the last thing I resolve to is crying out, is longing for God to bring or to revive his people. 
This should give us great hope for today. So we much like Israel in our nation today, regardless of how you define it, how you categorize it, how you look at it, how you perceive it, spiritually, practically, our nation is in perilous times. <laughs> We're in dark times. And today I hope to equip us in this. In dark times, the need to pray for revival only increases. It only increases. And that's exactly the sentiments, if you would, of this psalm. God's indignation, his wrath, his anger seems to be stirred towards the children of Israel. He knows it. It's uh, affecting him. It's affecting people, state, the country, the economics. Everything is being shaken. Everything is blackened. Everything is darkened by God's wrath. I know some of us, we, have, we, get, we get hives when we hear that God's wrath. <gasps> Listen, one thing we can start doing, we need to start doing, is trying to define who God is. God will do that uh, um, uh, very well on his own. When we try to, outside of Revelation, to describe, out of biblical knowledge, who God is, we start to paint a picture of a God who's essentially not even God. So when we get that aversion, when we get those hives, those red things to the wrath of God, listen, there are times you're going to have to reconcile God gets angry. <laughs> Come on. He gets mad. Just like he's kind. <laughs> he's patient. He's merciful. I talked to uh, a friend to, uh, yesterday just about how truth seems to be a double-sided sword, doesn't it? It has two edges. And, and that's how the Bible defines truth, doesn't it? As a sword that cuts through joints and marrow, right? And that's much like in who God is. He's a double-edged sword. And the last thing we need to do in perilous times is try to, try to start defining what and who and how God is going to do things. Because mainly, most of us, we're going to probably run to our bunkers. <laughs> ah, God's wrath! Ah, hide! Get your food, get your food, get your food. But our resolve, or the resolve of this psalmist was, no, listen, I know things are bleak, I know they're dark. God, your trend is that you revive your people. Yeah. And so, how long will it be until you revive us again, God? And that should be our response. I met many kids. I've been doing House of Prayer now at J-Hop for five, five and a half, maybe six years. I don't even know. They just walk on top of each other. You just don't even care. And the one thing I see is people just get flustered with constantly praying for revival. Guys, we want to be praying for revival. Not even on just a corporate level when we gather at the House of Prayer, an individual level. Because God's desire is not to just have, you know, one time of a touch of his presence and to be revived and lifed in our hearts. He desires to, to, uh, for us to live and sustain a continual process, a continual life lived, being revived and energized by the Spirit of God. It's not a one-time shot. And we start getting frustrated because language seems to be the same all the time. You preach the same. You pray the same. Yeah, because we need the same thing and it hasn't happened yet. And so we're God. Revive our hearts. I mean, if we start demonizing that, we are going to be in trouble. It should be our posture. 
in times like these, not just in times like these, across the board, God, revive us. Again, the history of God will show that in times that for the most part unseen, but when their darkness, and the darkness seems to be pervasive, excuse me, and all hope seems to be lost, God suddenly, what, breaks in and revives his people. Stephen J. Cole wrote a commentary and, uh, on revival on the openbible.org, a blog that serves in giving commentary to us. Thank God for Stephen and the work that they're doing through Open Bible. But he says this uh, in, in his blog, just a little paragraph, if you would. He says this, If things seem spiritually dark in our day, and they certainly do, Thank you, Stephen, for acknowledging that. Most Christians don't even acknowledge, they don't want to acknowledge that. And I think that's part of the problem. When things are seemingly spiritually dark, and our day certainly is, we should be encouraged, this is what Stephen says, to pray for revival. This is commentary on Psalms 85. He goes on to define revival as being no more than an act of God's sovereign grace. That God sovereignly takes the initiative, excuse me, in sending revival and often waits, listen, he often waits till things are hopeless so that no one can get the glory, but only he can. God is... It gets me thinking. It's like, who's behind? Who's really behind the crisis? <laughs> is it, you know, Satan gets like the taller. We're like, yeah, it's Satan. Oh, you know, it's just, it's the Beelzebub. But who's really behind the curtain pulling the strings? It's God. And according to Psalms 85 in this commentary, God does it for a reason. It's to bring himself glory. Come on, God is interested. He's very interested and bringing himself glory. <laughs> He's not too interested with you, bringing you glory. Now, let me just say that very candidly. He's not interested. He, you, you can see it in the Bible. He is not interested. He's interested in you bringing him glory. It's not about your glory. It's about the glory of the Lord. And here we see in Psalms 85, in this commentary, that God waits. He waits. He pauses. Hmm, yeah, things are dark. Things are getting pretty on the edge. But I'm going to glorify myself. And our job is not to get shut down in the process. It's not to cower away in fear, to hide ourselves with our stockpile of goods. But it's to, as the psalmist did in Psalms 85, Lord, will you not revive us again? (laughs) I love it. It just gives me so much faith for these days. Because I see the crisis coming, but I see even more so in Scripture, God setting it up, pulling the strings, because he's about ready to do some great things in the church. But we have to understand again that this is nothing more than God's sovereign grace. Being revived, being in a state of continual revival and life by the Spirit of God meanly, is simply is defined by no, nothing more, excuse me, than His grace. 
Come on, who doesn't want grace? Who doesn't want God's sovereign grace upon their life? Not just to, just to get away with things and to you know, pray when you failed and say, God, I need grace. We all need that. But, but, but the sovereignty of God resting on a people to revive their hearts. Oh, you're dead. You're, oh, you're, you're not alive. Okay, let me life in you. Let, let me give you life. Let me revive your heart. And, and what I'm seeing in the church is we, we come in and out of this thing. And so by acknowledging that, I see that we need it ever so more. That we need to live in that constant state, the tension of revive me, God. I, listen, I lead... Uh, two prayer sets, and sometimes I get tired of hearing that word. <laughs> but yet, I know it's my life source. And I, 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 it doesn't just happen in a vacuum. It happens as we ask. If you ask not, what? You receive not. It really has to do with humility. It really does. When people start getting irritated about the same language, like revival, we've got to pray for revival again. It really has to do with you don't understand your desperate need for Jesus. <laughs> I'm not talking about salvation either. Come on, Caesar. That. Come on. That's what uh, you can stand up and just shake your head at me. You can. I'm for it. But verses one through three of Psalm 85 were not request, but they were recounting the past. That's what verses one through three of Psalms 85 was. Again. The psalmist, his heart is heavy, most likely. He's seeing what's happening in his nation. He's seeing the darkness, probably even in his own heart. The rebellion towards God. But he's not focused there. He's saying, God, it is dark. It is bleak. Your anger is certainly stirred towards, uh, towards us. Uh, um, but I know your history. <laughs> I know what you did in the days of Moses. I know what you did when they built that golden calf. I know your story, God. And though your anger is here, Lord, it will relent. You will be merciful. And in that, you will revive us. Two observations from this text. God is able. He is sovereign and merciful to revive his people in times of utter darkness. When it seems as though there is no hope at all, the history books will say that God always has revived his people. Verse, and then number two is when there is complete hopelessness and darkness uh, that is pervasive in humanity, the only correct response of the church should be prayers and a longing for revival. The word revive here in uh, Psalms simply means to have life. To continue in life. <laughs> that's, for some of us, that's our, that's our biggest problem. You know, we come out of church, ah, oh, it's so life-giving. Worship, yeah! You just like, it's like these, like, I don't know, your, your battery's dead and these things get hooked up and you're like, yes! I got it, I got it. But then you leave this place, no longer a couple days, you're down in the dumps. But God has given us the means to not just wait for Sunday. <laughs> hey, by the way, Sunday seems to be every day around here, if you haven't noticed, guys. <laughs> Between prayer and small groups. <laughs> Come on, guys. No excuse. You don't even have to hide and isolate. You can go to the house of prayer and God can meet you there. As long as you first acknowledge where you're at. 
and you acknowledge your need to be revived. So it's to, to have life. It's to continue in life. It's to remain alive. I'm not talking physically. A physical life that you're breathing. Praise God. Rejoice and be glad that God has given you breath again. I'm talking about spiritually a life that you can say with, I am alive. You don't even look at me like you don't know what I mean. You know what I mean. Come on, somebody. We know when things are, whoo. I'm hiding in my room. I'm not coming out, you know. Don't talk to me, boo, right? Come on. It's, it's like what, we just had small group, couple groups. Uh, my man Noah, his wife needs to have time with the Lord because if she doesn't, woo, things get messy. <laughs> and when things get a little tense, we call him boo because that's what his wife calls him. Stand up, Noah. Does he look like a boo? Come on. That guy is awesome right there. Yes. Yes, boo. So I'm going to call him boo. It's sticking. Uh, but when things get tense and things get kind of sparse and abrasive, he says, kind of, you need your time with God. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. If we're going to live in the continued state and sustain a posture of being alive in God and not waiting for our ejection. Give us our ejection. Man, you, it's just a whole new world. To remain alive, to sustain life, and to live or upon, to live prosperously. And we are not talking about a financial prosperity. Although, for some of us, that might be what it is. Money seems to follow me. I love it. I, I went to, I, I love it. I don't even know what it is because I grew up poor. And, and even in my 20s, I struggled deep. It's like money burned a hole in my pocket. But now you just get things right. You start giving to the kingdom of God and he just starts adding to your fold. And so, listen, you know, I go and we're, we're announcing the 110 conference at Sean Foyet's uh, thing over there in um, somewhere, Natick. And, and we're sharing about the 110 thing. We're registering people. Some lady just writes me out a check for $500. I mean, it just follows us, guys. It's not, it's not only just in us. It's contagious. It, 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 it seems to pour out and kind of ebb. And, and all that lady says, I, I, I feel like I'm just so into your life. There's just something on your life. That's right, baby. I'm shooting. I, I am fighting. I am fighting. For a constant state. She's married. Listen, she's married. She's like 70 years old, okay? I didn't call her baby, all right? I'm just, sometimes I'm just not hit to some of the language, so please forgive me. Don't throw stones. Uh, some of you, it's all good. Some of you, not so much. Um, <laughs> but, but she just said, there's something on you. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm fighting to be in a continued state of revival. <laughs> Who's the revivalist who said, and, and guys, I'm not saying it's not hard. I have definitely, you know, hypocrisies. I have the same tension in all of this that you do. <laughs> I do. But that's not what we see the psalmist focusing on in Psalms 85. He first reminds God of what God did, as if God needed to be reminded. He didn't go, God, I'm just so... Messed up. No. He's saying, God, you're sovereign, you're merciful, and once and once in our history, or many times throughout our history, 
You gave us great fortunes. You increased us. You strengthened our armies. Our, you know, our land was blessed. Our finances were abundant. You can do it again. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being focused on your inner turmoil. I'm talking about being focused on a God who is consistent in your life, faithful to come through. It doesn't matter what you did two minutes ago, two hours ago, four hours ago, two weeks ago. If you set your heart and the posture of your heart is, God, revive me. Ooh, it begins to set a whole new set, a whole new world. In Scripture, the only thing that we see that acts as a blockage, if you would, uh, to revival uh, is, um, is really uh, an appetite for destruction. Come on, guys. Sometimes we, we are, we're our own worst enemies. We set ourselves up. You know, we think others are it, but at the end of the day, we are. We have an appetite to sin. Guys, it's, it's credible. It's biblical. <laughs> Get over it. We are sinful people. Thank God for Jesus. Because that is the only thing that makes that right. <laughs> but today, every one of us are only sinners saved by grace. And the only blockage, the only thing that we ever see in the Bible that works as a dam or a blockage to revival, personally, corporately, country, whatever you want to say, is sin. Our appetite for distraction, uh, destruction. And we do have one. But it can and easily can be corrected by asking for forgiveness in a sincere way and asking for the Lord to revive us. And I don't want to focus too much. I know some of us get hives over the word sin too. Uh, it's a three-letter word. It's all over the Bible. It really, it's really like talk about like a word that's really overly used in the Bible. Um, but uh, you might want to check it out sometime. Again, just recapping um, what I said. We're good for time. I'm going to take five more minutes and I'm going to stop it. I could go on. I'm going to stop. And we're going to disperse and maybe we will continue the conversation next Sunday. Good? Everybody good? You're happy, right? Because it's... Um... Just trying to think if there's enough time for this. It's not you I'm concerned about. It's my children's workers. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, and we want to keep them happy, guys. You want to keep those who are doing your children. You want to keep them happy. Okay? I feel like that's torturous down there. You know what? I feel good about where we're at. I really do. I do. I do. Hey, listen. We do this every day. Every Sunday, we're here. And so we're going to pick up this conversation next Sunday. Is that good? Everybody good? All right. Let's pray. Just wait on the Lord just a couple minutes, just so quick to move quickly, you know, quick to try to fill in dead space, you know. Let's just wait on the Lord.
Lord, we ask God that in this series, Lord, that you would do something great, Lord, in our midst. Lord, um, we realize, Jesus, that uh, going into something like this, Lord, it wouldn't do justice if we just went in and, and tried to give it language and articulation and the Bible, Lord. But, Lord, we want to experience, we want to encounter um, a, a revival personally and corporately in our own lives. Lord, we thank you that it is your promise to us, Lord. And so, Lord, as we explore this topic, as we get into what the Bible has to say and look at the history of America and the nations of the earth, Lord, we ask, God, that you would do something within us so powerful, so sovereign. God, we want to be revived. We don't want to just talk about revival, Lord. We want to personally encounter a revived, sustained, continued state of revival. I'm reminded of a a revivalist who said, I set myself on fire, spiritually speaking, (laughs) that others may come and watch me burn. Lord, we have talked a lot, but yet we have been void of a true fire. So God, I ask, Lord, that we would embody, Lord, that we would encounter revival, that we would encounter being revived and sustained by the sovereign grace of your hand and the work of your hand. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.